I'm going to be preaching out of Philippians, as Pat said, Philippians 3.8. And before we dive into the passage, um, I want to just mention, which Tom mentioned actually two weeks ago, just the context of what Paul, or where Paul was when he was writing. So Philippians is one of the books of the Bible where Paul was sitting in prison as he was writing this to the church in Philippi, which was the same thing with Ephesians. He was in prison as he was writing to the church in Ephesus, which I think has significance when we look at some of the things that Paul wrote in Philippians. There's a couple verses I'm not going to preach on that I love. Uh, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. He's sitting in prison as he writes that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, make your requests be made known to God. One of my life verses, Philippians 4, 6, he's in prison as he's writing, do not be anxious. And he's also in prison as he's writing this passage in Philippians 3. We're going to look at 1 through 8, just so we see a little bit of context of what he's writing. And then I'm going to focus particularly on Philippians 3, 8. So if you want to pull out Bibles, you're welcome to. If you want to throw out your, pull out your phone and your app, you're welcome to. If you want to follow along behind me, you're also welcome to do that. But I'm going to start out by reading Philippians 3, 1 through 8. And Paul says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, For it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And then Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So I want to look just before we jump into the second part of it. What is, what is Paul talking about that he considers garbage? Okay? He lists a bunch of things here, which I think can be a little tricky in kind of our culture to understand what he's saying here. So I, I want to just talk through a couple of the things that Paul lists here um, as kind of worldly things that people would see kind of respected. Okay? So I want you to think about that like in as we're reading through these, in our culture, in our time, what would our surrounding region, maybe Grand Forks or North Dakota or Midwest, what would our culture say is, man, that, that guy or that gal, they are, they're up and coming. Like, they're respected. They're, they're really highly seen in our culture, okay? Because that's what Paul is talking about. He talks about being in a tribe of Benjamin, okay? The tribe of Benjamin was known as warriors, That's where the first king of Israel came out of, which was King Saul, was out of the tribe of Benjamin. He talks about being a Pharisee, which most of us, when we hear Pharisee, we probably think about that in a negative light just because Jesus was really hard on the Pharisees, on the religious leaders. But the Pharisees in this time and in that culture, they were the ones that were really studying God's word. They were memorizing huge portions of scripture. They were considered very smart, intelligent. Um, He talks about passion. 
about having zeal, about persecuting the church. So it wasn't just, Paul didn't just have these beliefs in his head. He was living it out. You know, Paul was, Paul was uh, out persecuting this, this sect of religion that was coming up called the way. Right? This is, Jesus had, had come and uh, Jesus had died and he had risen and gone. And then there was this, the Christians, the way that was going and preaching about what Jesus did. And Paul, Paul had, if you think about Paul, he had studied the scriptures for a long time. He knew the Messiah was coming and he said, this is not the Messiah. And so he was defending his faith. He was out persecuting and trying to stop this false religion, which is what he thought at the time, uh, from happening. He was passionate. When it comes to rule following, he followed the law perfectly. So when I think about those things, I tried to say to myself, okay, what would that look like in our culture today? So Paul is saying all these things are garbage. Well, to me, that doesn't mean a lot, the tribe of Benjamin or a Pharisee. It's like hard for me to relate to that. But what is, what is Paul talking about like in our culture? What would, what would our culture consider to be kind of these, these virtues and things that are really respected and seen as, as high and I thought of things like possessions. Right? If we think of uh, things that are respected in our culture, oftentimes a bigger home, nicer things, maybe it's a vehicle. I think of positions of power. So it could be a career, it could be business owner, maybe it's leading other people that are serving underneath you. I think about education level. Could be PhD, master's degree, somebody that's gone through a lot of education, usually seen as, as highly respected. And there's a lot of other things that you guys may think of as well. But that's kind of where Paul was. Like in our culture, he was seen as this person that was moving up and uh, was highly respected uh, among, among his culture. And then Jesus showed up in Paul's life and he revealed himself. And Paul's life completely changed. And this verse, when I, when I got this verse to preach on, I was really challenged by it of the question, do I consider all things in this world garbage? That's Paul's wording. I consider all these things garbage compared to knowing Christ. Do I consider my career? Do I consider my money? Do I consider my amount of money in my retirement account? Do I consider all of these things garbage? Now, I'm not saying these things are wrong things. There's nothing wrong with having a career. There's nothing wrong with moving up and being respected. But when I look at all of these things that are culture values, do I consider them garbage compared to knowing and following Christ. And so I want to explore a little bit, because I think that's a really hard thing to do, and I've been very challenged by that. I want to explore a little bit about how could Paul say that? And he wasn't just saying that. This is how Paul lived his life. How could he do that, where he puts all those things way behind knowing Christ? And I think the first and the, the most important thing that Paul did when it comes to that is, and when it comes to us as well, is to surrender my life to Christ. To surrender my life to Christ. And I want to look at the, the verse again. I'll, I'll put this on the screen behind me, and I want you to notice one phrase in this verse that I think really speaks to this. It says, What is more, I consider everything a loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, Paul says, my Lord, Christ Jesus, not just knowing Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord. Another version says, my master. Okay, this is, this is who I am following, my master. You see, Paul did this. Paul had, and many of you know Paul's story when he was Saul, but Paul had an experience where he was going to persecute the Christians again. He was following what he thought was right, which is, I'm, I'm defending my religion, and there's this way that's popping up, and I'm, I'm hauling the Christians off to prison and stuff. And so he was on his way to Damascus, and God blinded him. Jesus showed a physical light to Paul where his eyes were blinded. But when his eyes were blinded, his spiritual eyes were opened. That's when Paul, Paul said, Paul had studied. He knew the Messiah was coming, and he said, this is not the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up, blinded him. His eyes were opened that I missed it. This Jesus is the one I have been learning about. This Jesus is the one all these prophecies that I learned were pointing to. And Jesus, Jesus told Saul, who went on to become Paul, this. And that's when his eyes were opened. And then he knew. At that point, he knew with everything in him that this is the truth. This is the way. And that's when it changed for him. That his life turned all about my goal in life is to know Jesus more and to follow him. And that's what he's saying in that verse. Everything else that this world has to offer, all these things that I was being boosted up with, that's all so far back here compared to knowing Christ. So that was Paul's, Paul's experience. That was Paul's story. Um, each one of us have a unique journey when it comes to our faith. And I'm not saying all of us are going to be blinded by a bright light. I think that would be a really sweet thing for Jesus to show up that way. But it's different with every one of us. And I'm going to briefly share my testimony, which I know some of you have heard it before. Uh, so hang in there with me if you have. Some of you haven't. I know my teens, I lead the youth ministry with Aaron Shower. They've definitely heard my testimony before. But I grew up in a, a Christian home. My dad took over as pastoring a church locally in northern Minnesota when I was about five years old. And my, at a young age, I learned truth. I was like the kids that just went downstairs or the teens here who are in youth group. I grew up in the church. I learned who Jesus was. I learned a lot of truths and had a strong foundation that way. Um, through my high school years, I had just a significant tension in, in my life. And my tension was, I wanted to be popular. I really wanted to be liked. And the other side of it was, I wanted to follow Jesus and live a righteous life. And the two of those seemed like in my life were just constantly in tension. In other words, um, I would try to fit in with people who weren't living a moral life, and I would start acting like them. I'd start behaving like them to try to be accepted. And then other times I'd say, no, God, I want to follow you. And I would try to do a better lot, job at living a righteous life. And that was just kind of my, my high school years. And I came to college actually here at UND in the late 90s and really didn't have any friends here. Lived uh, off campus at our friend Elaine Ramstead, rented a, a bedroom at her house my first year. And really didn't have any friends and got to know a couple people and they invited me to hang out with them and they were really living in kind of the party, I would call it the party college lifestyle. 
And inside, I was like, ah, I know this isn't right, but I, I want to have friends and have people I'm around. And so I went, I thought, oh, I'm going to go hang out with them. And so I went to a, a party and hung out and decided I wasn't going to drink. That was against my conviction at that time. I was 18 years old and uh, kind of stood around and felt super awkward. So the next time I said, well, I'm going to have, I'll have one drink and I'll just hold it the whole night. I'm not going to get drunk, so it's not bad, but, you know, I'll fit in because I wanted to fit in with them. And, uh, and so did that, and then the next time and the next time, you could not have told that I was any different from anybody else that was there when it came to how I was acting, language I was using, other moral things. I just kind of slid into this party lifestyle. And that lasted for probably five or six months, something like that, where I was kind of in this lifestyle and uh, trying to have fun, and that was the, my focus of entertaining myself and having fun. And I woke up one morning and just felt this, this emptiness inside. And I had felt that multiple times before, but this was a time where it was just something more. Like, I couldn't help but think about it. And there was just this emptiness of, of thinking about, you know, there's these worldly pleasures. Like, the night before, I had fun. Like, the sin there, did I have fun? I had fun the night before, but I was just empty the next day and moving forward. And that's how it continued to be in my life. And I knew this trajectory that I'm on, I could see these two paths that I talked to you about, this trajectory that I'm on is going to lead to nothing that has anything lasting or fulfilling. No peace, nothing that's fulfilling or joy in the long term. And, uh, and I knew what truth was. I knew that Jesus had come and died. I was kind of choosing this selfish mentality of pleasing myself and doing what I thought was fun. And that's when I said, that was kind of my, my Paul or Saul's moment where he, he said, no, Jesus, I'm all in, where Jesus revealed himself to me. That was my moment where I just said, you know what, this world, all this stuff, it doesn't have anything lasting to offer. Lord, I'm going to follow you. Help me to follow you. And, uh, and that was my time where I committed. I truly said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And it certainly wasn't that Life was super easy after that, and all of my sin just disappeared, and I had no trouble, and everything was great after that. No, it's been a journey since then. But that was my point of saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And I think it takes that. It takes that step of bringing it from our head, head knowledge, to saying, no, here, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And that's when we can live on mission. And that's really what Paul did. That's how Paul took that next step of saying, I'm going to truly follow you and live on a mission. And Paul's mission, if you think about Paul, his mission really was to know God and to make him known, right? That's what he's saying in Philippians 3.8 is there is nothing more than knowing Christ. And he actually talks after Philippians 3.8, he talks about experiencing Jesus, even the persecution that he went through. He wanted to know him more. And then Paul was all about giving this gift to other people. And so when I think about our mission, I think about what Jesus said, which really aligns really well with what Paul was talking about and what Paul's mission was. And I love that Jesus gave this, this example to us when he was asked, what's most important in, your, in, in all the commandments? What's the most important thing that I should focus on? And Jesus answers that question, which I think is great, because the Bible has so many, has so much depth of things and character things that we can work on. And, and yet when Jesus summarized it of what's most important, 
Let's look at this passage in, 12, in Mark 12, 28 through 31, which I know many of you know this passage. I think it's so good to be reminded of this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Love God and love others. Nothing more important than this. You know, when when Paul is pointing out in that passage in Philippians, all of kind of the culture things that the culture values, and he's saying all of this is, is garbage, and I'm putting this to the side. What he's really talking about are, are idols in our life, things that we can put above Christ. They're idols in our life. And, you know, I think, I think when it comes to that, I, I kind of had this picture of, like, where is my life pointing? What's the trajectory of my life? You know, is, is my life pointing towards loving God and loving others? Or, when I think about it, is it some of these other things that we talked about that's kind of, my life is pointing towards these things, whether it's possessions, whether it's, uh, you know, wealth, whether it's career, power, prestige, all these other things. Is my life, when I think about the, the direction my life is going and how I'm focusing my talents and my, my time and all the rest, is it, is it pointing toward this and loving God and others that kind of got on the side, and is it, is it off with that? And, you know, I think, I think with Paul, and I think it's this way in our life as well, that oftentimes I can think of an idol or an area of sin in my own life where I'd want to say, I just want to stay away from this. Like, I'm going to try to just do better and not think about this. Maybe it's a pattern of sin in your life where it's like, okay, I'm just going to block things and not do this and do better in this area of my life. And there's some wisdom to that. But I think what's way more important and more valuable is saying, what am I running towards rather than what am I running away from? And I think that's what Paul really did. He had this this mission and vision. I am focusing on knowing God and making him known, loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving others. And with that, oftentimes what will happen then is those other things that we can put in front of the Lord and have our life going towards can fall off to the side. Or we say, no, I'm running for God, and so these other things, they are way back here. They are garbage. One version says, dog dung. That's an interesting way to describe it. I used garbage instead. But I want us to ask ourselves, are we, am I, fully surrendered to Christ? Is that my mission? Is that my vision? Is that what my life is going after? Or am I holding back? And God started kind of stirring this thought and that idea in my heart a few years ago, actually. Um, long before I was assigned this sermon to preach. And he started stir- stirring it with um, when we had missionaries that actually we support as a church. I'm going to tell you two stories of two different missionary families now that Cottonwood supports. 
So uh, it, you guys support. Those of you supporting the church are supporting these two missionary families. And I was really challenged by their story and their commitment and their surrender. And it's kind of when God started working on this area of my life. And the first one is Mike and Sue Cater. And you'll see uh, a picture behind me of Mike and Sue. Mike was here a few years back and he preached. Many of you know him. Some of you probably support him. I want to read just a a short portion of of their story. Mike joined an uh, evangelistic church planting team in 1970 that set out to help reach the world with the gospel. This team was strongly influenced by Campus Crusade for Christ and Operation Mobilization. A Great Commission movement emerged that started non-denominational churches across America and has since grown to church plants on five different continents. While pastoring in a church in Ohio, Mike attended Ashland Theological Seminary and with his spouse Sue, led teams that shared the gospel and made disciples. Mike and his helpers planted six churches, two in Ohio, two in Maryland, and two in Arizona. And Mike pastored churches over the next 40 years. In May of 2009, Mike started Run Global as he and Sue moved full-time to India, catalysts for church planting movements that continue to reach and train thousands of people, people who share the gospel with hundreds of thousands of unreached people annually. Due to his successful missionary activity, Mike was jailed for two months, then deported and blacklisted. Mike and Sue moved to Nepal to start another church planting movement that itself trains other movements. Today, they continue to train native missionaries to start and lead evangelism and church movements across Asia. Wow. Wow. I don't know if you guys picked up the math on this. He pastored for 40 years. Let's pretend he was 25 when he started pastoring. I don't know what he was. I don't know exactly. Maybe Tom knows. I don't know. But probably early 20s somewhere would be my guess, mid-20s. 40 years pastoring. I'm not a math major, but that puts him in his 60s, right? And that was in 2009 that he started Run Global and started this path of going over. And he's been doing that since 2009. That was not my vision of my retirement. I don't know about you guys. That was not my vision of my retirement. But I was super challenged by that. About what if God said to me, and now I'm not telling all of us, please hear me, I'm not saying all of you, God is calling you to be a missionary and go to India and go to prison. I'm not saying that at all. Okay? And I'm not saying God is calling me there. But he does want our heart to be surrendered to however he leads and guides us. And obviously he put a passion in Mike, and Mike would be the first one to tell you that. He put a passion in him to reach the lost in this area and then gave him the grace to be able to do it. But what a surrendered heart. When he was here, he showed a picture, which made me think of it just now. He showed a picture of a bunch of kids and a ton of grandkids. So those of you that have seen the Dunham family pictures or Christmas cards, it actually reminded me very much of the Dunham family pictures of lots of kids and these beautiful grandkids. I was like, he's in India serving and going to prison, and he has all these kids and and grandkids and stuff back here. What a sacrifice. 
What a heart of surrender. It challenged me to think, is my heart there? What if God verbally said to me, and not just like an intuition thing, like I think God might be calling me to this, like said, I want you to sell everything and go to India and be a missionary in India. Is my heart at a spot where I would say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. I'll follow you. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I want to follow you. Is my heart at a place of surrender like that? That's hard. But you know how that's easier? When you're living on mission, right? When the focus of our life is loving God and loving others. That's where it made me realize, I've got some things that I'm holding on to here, like dreams in retirement and enough in savings that I can live comfortably and these other things that that would be really hard for me to let go if God called me to something different. And uh, it just convicted me of that. I don't have time this morning to tell another story uh, about the Stahl family, but here's a young family that did exactly that with young kids, sold everything and went over with, with Mike and Sue and just challenges me. Am I fully surrendered? Am I living on mission? Am I focusing on what's the most important thing in our lives where I can say everything else in my life is back here? All the rest of the stuff is back behind me. I can consider it garbage because of how much I want to focus on loving God and loving others. Let's have a worship team. Why don't you guys come on up? Do you guys know what the average life expectancy in the United States is? 77.28 years. 77, if you're a female, congratulations, your life expectancy is slightly longer. 77 years. I am well over halfway through my life expectancy. And when I look around, you guys, so are many of you. Some of you aren't quite there yet. But our life on this earth is short. And as we close, I want us to think about and I think it'd be really good. This is so good for this has been so good for me over this last couple of weeks to just sit and meditate on this a little bit. I think it's really good for each one of us to do this, not just this Sunday, but also over time and say, what's the trajectory of my life right now? So if I if I went and took a bird's eye view of my own life and the direction I'm going, that takes that takes some deep thought to do that to look and say, is my main mission, would I look at my own life and say, I am focusing on loving God and loving others as my main point of my life, the direction of my life, or have I gotten off? Have I gotten off to having other things that I'm, I'm chasing after in my life? And, you know, if, that, if that's the case where you say, you know what, I'm not sure that I am on that trajectory of loving God and loving others is the main focus of my life. I'd encourage you today even that this can be, this can be the day like, like my experience on the living room, like Paul's experience where he saw a bright light. This could be, maybe it's your time where you say, you know what? I haven't gone all in. It's been head knowledge, but I've never, I've never from my heart and soul said, Jesus, I do surrender. I surrender my life 
to you. Please come, help me. Help me be on this mission of loving you and loving others. And maybe for many of you, you've, you've done that before. You've taken that step of saying, I surrender my life to Christ. Um, but our life's gotten off. This can happen, right, as we're going through. We're, we've gotten off. We have other things, like I said, over me meditating this last couple of weeks on this. We've gotten off track a little bit where I've held on to things that, that I didn't even realize I was holding on to. I just encourage us, even as we sing this last song, to just try to offer our lives again to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me to surrender more fully to you. I think that's a lot of what the Christian life is as we walk with the Lord, is looking at our life and saying, what more can I give you, Lord? What area do you want to work on, work on in my life now? And so I'd encourage you today, even as we sing this last song, to have that be your heart. And this song is going to be a song called Give Me Jesus, which I love this song because it's such a simple song. I'm sure many of you know it. And the wording in it is, you can have this whole world. You can have this whole world. Just give me Jesus, which I think is really, really what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about that is, I just want to follow you, Lord. All the rest of the stuff I consider garbage. And so as you sing this, uh, I'd encourage you to just surrender whatever you need to surrender in your life and there will be some people up front to pray with you so if you've not taken that step where you've surrendered your life to christ i'd encourage you to do that and tell somebody if you want to do it from your where you're sitting that's fine as we sing this song if you want to come pray with somebody you're welcome to do that um or if or if you're in that position where you're just like my life is off i've gotten off track lord i want to recommit my life to you i'd encourage you to do that this morning Join me in prayer and we'll sing this last song. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for how you have led us and you have uh, given us a guide in your word that just has so many amazing truths that can lead and guide our lives, Lord. Lord, I thank you for just how you revealed yourself to Paul and how we see his life changed and him on mission uh, to know you, truly know you, and make you known. Lord, we can get so distracted by so many things in this world. Uh, Lord, I pray that even today, you'd be speaking to our hearts, even as we sing this last song uh, throughout uh, this congregation, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts on areas that we may be holding back from you, and that we would be willing to release those to you to say, Lord, I surrender to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.